Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Running in Place podcast, the Gen X take on the millennial world. I'm Jack Rolfe, and with me tonight from his doomsday nuclear-powered rail car traveling the desert southwest unabated is... Craig Shepard. Hey, thanks for being here tonight. And uh, just remember, so you can catch us on Twitter at Running Place Pod or at Running Place Pod. Uh, and you can also get us on Facebook. Just uh, search for the Running in Place podcast and you'll find us there and check us out and leave us messages and leave us feedback and tell us what we suck at or what we're great at. And then we'll have a lot of different cool stuff going on. And uh, I just wanted to thank everybody for being here t- this evening. Yeah, me too. Thanks, everybody. Uh, tonight, we are going to talk about a subject that is near and dear, I think, to many of our hearts, pornography. Um, and as as we often do on the show, or as we will often do, uh, we're going to talk about how uh, that uh, subject has changed over the years. I think we can all agree that uh, that this is something that has changed drastically from, from when we were younger. And, um, you know, how is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Uh, how it's changed, how it's affected people, um, and, uh, you know, just sort of our take on, on that evolution over time. Well, it really uh, is a brave new world. It is indeed. It is indeed. It's changed so much since, uh, you know, since the Sears catalog, uh, you know, hiding that away from my, uh, from my mom uh, and hiding it under my, under my mattress. Um, I think I'm younger than you. I had service merchandise. Service merchandise. Did they even sell women's wear in service merchandise? They did indeed. They did, did they? Yes, they did. I remember the service merchandise catalog, and there was a uh, there was an array of mid-priced, middle-class underwear. I think calling it lingerie might oversell it. It was underwear. <laughs> you know that's so absurd that I believe you that you you could not be making that no, up. I, I distinctly remember that. Service merchandise. See, I think that's even more low rent than the Sears catalog. Oh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm claiming a notch above you on that one. <laughs> you got it. It's all yours. Which is interesting. I mean, so we, so we could start off with um, probably uh, what would be a familiar story to a lot of our listeners, and that is, you know, how what porn looked like when we were growing up. And, and I'm not even joking about that, even though it's such a trite joke at this point, uh, that literally, um, you know, the serious catalog, uh, got me excited at, you know, when I was young enough. Um, I don't know about you, but, uh, well, it sounds like maybe service merchandise was your, was your, uh, jam. That was kind of the trailer park version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do recall uh, when I was, I don't remember exactly what age, but some, maybe around eight, old enough to be interested in it, but not old enough to really, uh, certainly I wasn't, you know, touching myself at that point, but uh, around eight or so, I discovered uh, a cache of uh, magazines in my neighbor's shed, my neighbor's tool shed. And I was fascinated by it. Me and all the boys in the neighborhood were fascinated by it. Um, we didn't quite know what it I mean, we knew what it was, right? We knew that it was uh, stirring feelings inside, um, some stronger than others. So I, I, I remember that there was a variety of different ones there. There were the Playboys, which I liked. I, I liked the sort of you know, artsy, pretty girls made up. But then there was also, it went all the way down to like beaver hunt. Huh. And that was horrifying. Honestly, it was, <laughs> and for anyone who doesn't know, that beaver hunt, you for life. I, I know beaver hunt is just a magazine where like 40 year old men send in close up pictures of their wife's cooters. And I'm not, I, I think I'm accurately describing what it is. And it was horrifying. Well, if if and, I and remember it, right, it, <laughs> 
Beaver Hunt was actually a component of, I think, Hustler magazine. But that wouldn't that, surprise me. But that they would then do like compilation like magazines. So it was like a one-page thing or a two-page thing that was a monthly occurrence in the regular Hustler. But then they would do these like one-offs where they would like publish maybe all the pictures from the last year or something like that. And, and it was. It was very poor lighting. Um, I mean, people... It was that, clinical. It was very clinical. It was when they did show kind of the entire woman, it was often maybe a woman that might need medical attention or <laughs> healthcare advice or, I mean, things yeah. like that. It, it was not, it was not flattering. It was not flattering. That is a good way to put it. And yet it was publishable and, and, and whoever purchased this magazine and then hit it out in the tool shed thought it was worth keeping. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, all right. All right. All right. Sorry. I'm going to screw things up here. Quick segue. I worked at a uh, camera store briefly. I do remember that. No, I remember the, the luggage store. I don't remember the camera store. I worked at a camera store in the mall briefly for three months, maybe. I, I hated the manager. I just I could not deal with that place. And it was right kind of as the transition from film to digital was happening. So mm. nobody was really buying cameras unless you were a real shutterbug uh, because people didn't know which way things were going to be going. So you had the purists that hated the digital and the, you know, the, the new people that were like, Oh, do you have digital? Oh, not really. All right. I'm leaving. I'm going to Sears. Well, um, right. we would get people bringing in their like beaver hunt style pictures. Oh yeah. And, and you had to get them developed. Well, and what, cause I, the first thing you had to learn was how to develop. That's what they did. They stuck you in the back and they made you learn how to develop. So for a month, I just didn't leave the machine. We had several people bring them in and they were, they were not flattering pictures. And I, I swear this was like steel magnolias or there was some movie where they, Oh no, what's the, ah, the movie with Sandra Bullock. It's escaping me right now. Anywhere where she works at a f photography store, the manager's like, Oh, you have to keep a copy of any nudes that come in. My manager told me that. He's really? Like, All right. He's like, and I, and I asked him because he's came in and I saw him and I saw him up on this weird little like negative screen that you had to work with and try to set everything with. And um, I'm like, hey, dude, I, you know, I've got some like nudes here. What do I do? And he's like, well, you develop them. You, 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 you know, you're very discreet about it. You make an extra set. And I go, really? You make an extra set? And they're like, well, in case something with court comes up later. And I'm like, oh, sure. And he goes, it's cool to do as long as it's not kids or it's not like through a window. If, I mean, oh. if it looks like it's a zoom lens through a window, then you say no. If it looks like it's kids, you call the cops. But other than that, just keep a copy. And I, the copies were for him because he was a creepy weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and that, uh, you didn't know any better. Well, I mean, I was like, I was okay with it. But it was, it was very <laughs> weird and it was not, it, it was not flattering. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, sorry, well, I just totally screwed up the show here. No, it didn't screw it up at all. I mean, I, I, one of the things that um, I thought we might talk about is, is, how the uh, how nudes have come about and how nudes have become a thing. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it, my impression was that that's a modern phenomenon. But, but but that's maybe that's because I've never worked at a camera store or, or a film developing store. I didn't realize that it was maybe more of a common phenomenon than I realized well, back in the day. Again, a, a reoccurring theme I'm sure we'll talk about tonight, particularly with me, is is the the form follows function. I think Polaroids were sold. In, in very large part so that people did not have to embarrass themselves mm -hmm. by going to the store and being like, hey, can you develop these nude shots of my wife, which maybe she does or maybe not know about? Um, right. But in this case, hey, Polaroids, all right, we'll 
you know, we can hide them in the drawer or do whatever. Or look, at, look at us. Um, and so now we, you know, we've entered the digital age, and it just got so much easier to do. And it is completely anonymous until the fappening occurs. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I bet there are a good portion of your customers uh, that actually enjoyed the idea that you were looking at their nudes as you were developing them. I, I, I would not be at all surprised. They had no choice. That that was the you know the progenitor to the unsolicited dick pic. Yeah. It's like this 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 poor sixteen year old kid in the uh, in the back room is gonna have to look at my wife's snatch. <laughs> God. Take that. <laughs> They're fighting the man one cooter at a time. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Well. Well, I, I think one of the things we've got to talk about here is because you know, times have changed. And Drastically. Is porn detrimental? And then I guess I would, I, of course, there's going to be a dozen follow-up questions, but if so, is it detrimental now in a way that it was not 20 years ago or 30 years, 30 plus years ago when we were getting our first experiences? Yeah, I mean... So we could talk a little bit about how, how it's evolved in order to get to that point. And I do that. I think that's an important point we want to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, the evolution certainly that I went through and and we haven't talked about your formative years yet. And and I'd love to hear your take on this, but, uh, you know, uh, service merchandise. So go ahead. That's right. Service merchandise. Um, uh, and then, you know, so there was those magazines and then, you know, one of my good friends, um, uh, dad, uh, had a tape, a VHS tape. So that was, uh, my first experience with visual porn and, and, and it was, I, I didn't have access to it, so I could only watch, watch it when I, uh, went to his house, which is a little awkward. Um, and then eventually, um, you know, I was old enough to buy my own. Um, but that wasn't until I was, you know, my late teens, 17, 18 years old that, that I know as I recall, Playboy videos, and they and they would have these things at video stores oh, yeah. in like a corner, um, but they were rated R, so I, you couldn't buy them until you were 17. Well, and how tame uh, they are by comparison oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah, right. Like a Playboy video. A, grooming was a lot different then, but um, just by, I mean, it. I don't even think you could call it softcore by today's standards. I mean, it's these beautifully shot, just mm-hmm. naked women kind of, Running around in the desert, running in the desert with the wind blowing in their hair, yeah. and they're gorgeous. And you know, there, some of it got a little suggestive, but it was very soft core. Oh, like um, you know, there's minutes like, long too. I mean, at some point you're like, oh, oh my yeah. god, is something going to happen here? Where's the plot? <laughs> yeah, it, you're right. Exactly. There was no, you know, no penetration, nothing like that. I mean, those videos did exist though, uh, but you'd had to be older than that. You had to be, I think, 21 to buy those things, or maybe 18. I, I actually can't remember. I think it was 18. But, it may be 18, but but the point was you had to buy them. You had, to, as opposed to today, you know, I had to work at a job uh, and collect money for my work and then turn that money into porn, uh, which is something that uh, people today, including myself today, uh, have no experience with and, and probably would be shocked to to realize was a reality back then. And I, I think it made it made one more discriminating. It made one, um, um, you know, I. I guess use one one's imagination more. I mean, when I was before I was old enough to um, buy this stuff. I mean, a lot of the times when I would, you know, have my alone time, I would just use my imagination. I would think about a girl from school or something like that. And I, I would, I'm seriously curious whether that even happens today. Yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine. And, and I, to be honest, I don't know how to bring it up. I'm just going to 
walk around a middle school or a high school tomorrow and start asking kids that, followed by my arrest. Well, maybe they'll, yeah, I mean, uh, everyone's got an Instagram now, right? So maybe maybe you don't have to think about the girl you, you have a crush on at school. You can just look at her pictures on Instagram. Maybe that's the equivalent. I don't know. Uh, you know, well, actually, yeah, maybe that is that is a real thing. Because um, I, I remember, for me, uh, I, so there, there was a, a very brief experience where, like, me and my friends had a treehouse, and we found this little, again, this little cache of, um, I don't know, I don't think they were Playboys. Maybe they were, like, penthouses or something. And, mm-hmm. um, of course, we couldn't keep them at either any of our houses, so right. we would stash them in our treehouse that was built on this retention pond that was, you know, about a block away. And our treehouse got raided about, you know, two weeks later, or a month later. And, of course, then our cash is gone, never to be seen again. And then for me, I didn't get any regular access to the nudie stuff until really until the very, very early days of computing, with like, and I think we've talked about this before, like BBSs and America Online, right? Where you could either have somebody send them to you, like you would send me a picture, and I would watch it download line by line by line, and that picture had to have been tiny by today's standards, and um, or the Usenet groups, which I mean, hell, Usenet might even still be around. I don't know, but I remember yeah. that being available, and then that was like, all right, you had to kind of decide. All right, which one am I going to download? How big is it? And how long is this going to take? Because this one picture might take 25 minutes. Absolutely. And you didn't have thumbnails. You had no idea what you were getting into. No, you had a description. So yeah. you, it would be like, girl. <laughs> <Woman. laughs> like, it was, there was like, um, I want to say there was an, like an ASCII to JPEG converter or something that it would come in as like a text yes. file. You had no idea what was going on and then it would be converted after the fact. Yeah, but but I remember at one point... I don't know what the software it was like InfraView, if you remember InfraView. Uh, it would translate as it was downloading. Mm. So it could come in as text, but then I could just kind of watch it line by line turn into something. Yeah. Um, You're like, oh my God, there, it, in like five minutes, there's going to be a nipple. I could see it coming. I'm sure it's coming. I'm going to go get a sandwich. <laughs> Normally you get the sandwich after. Now you got the sandwich before. I do remember that. I remember the first, um, the first black and white, uh, picture that I downloaded. I, it must have been with that interview thing because I recall that exact experience, line by line by frustratingly small line by frustratingly small line, to eventually. And I want to say it was more than twenty five minutes. I I want to say I waited an hour for this it, thing. It, it took forever. Well yeah, it very well could have been. And this is just a picture, folks. This is something that uh, loads in a microsecond today. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. And then of course, you know, so then you know, DVD and Blu-ray came around, DVD first, mm-hmm. you know, VHS even before that. But you're right, there was an economic model. You had to somehow turn labor into porn, or you had to find somebody that did. Um, I right. mean, there was plenty of secondhand porn around, I guess, I hear, not so much for me, but I'm, that's what I hear from other people. So, I mean, there was some level of access to it. But I think the first Playboy I bought, um, I, I would have been out of high school, because it was the February 1994 that had Stephanie Seymour in it, who was the first big Victoria's Secret model, and dated uh. Axel Rose, and was in Guns N' Roses videos, and and I, I remember that because it was the Valentines, because it was her kind of laying kind of Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe style with this red background, and I, I remember that very distinctly. Um, but then after that, you know, because I was like, 
wouldn't go in and buy a magazine. I was like ashamed to. It was like, mm-hmm. and, and, oh, it's so embarrassing. Like it's like buying guy, condoms. Like the guy behind the counter is judging me. As it turns yeah. out, the guy behind the counter did not care and just wanted to finish his shift and go home. I had one time, and again, this is a bit of a uh, diversion or digression, but um, I had one time, it, it, I mentioned that um, the Playboy videos were rated R, so you could buy them when you were 17. Right. And uh, I went up to buy one, and you go through this whole process, you're sort of building up your courage, you're like, the, the, the reward is going to be worth this, the reward is going to be worth this. Uh, but you just feel, you know, your adrenaline is pumping, and you're, you're scared, and you're going to get called out as a pervert or whatnot. And I went up to the counter, and she's like, you have to be 18 to buy this. And I was like... <laughs> No, you don't. I fought him before. And I was so I, I wanted the porn so badly, but I also didn't want to be shamed by this female clerk. And, and I, I eventually just gave up. I was like, all right, fine. All right, fine. <laughs> I will achieve pornography elsewhere, please. Yes. It's like the it, it is the it's the exact thing you don't want to have happen. You know, calling attention to the very thing you're purchasing. And it did happen to me, but I survived. It was OK. Yeah. She just looked at you. I'm judging you. They looked, yes, pervert. you underage pervert. God, that's amazing. Well, and it's funny how mainstream it is now. I, I, and I'll give you an experience. So here I am. I'm now a father and this, you know, middle America, middle class, you know, middle everything kind of person. And so I, you know, we're at the dinner table and we're, we're eating our middle America meal. And I happen to flip on. What are it's like entertainment tonight? And what's the other one? Access Hollywood. I think it was Access Hollywood. And um, there was some, uh, I think, rapper on there, and there was the the host of Access Hollywood and this, I think, rapper, and there was a long discussion about her vagina. Cool. And I remember sitting there, and I, I've got my, like, two I'm sons. sorry. <laughs> yeah, what I mean, were they saying about it? Well, no, there was just like, oh, I don't know. There had been some kerfuffle in the media, so there was just like this extraordinarily long conversation. I mean, it couldn't have been more than, you know, 45 seconds given how those shows work. But it, for me, it felt like an hour of, of this discussion of her vagina. And, you know, my sons are like seven and five. <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, so yeah. I, I were, were, were they even old enough to be embarrassed? They were old enough to go, what's a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I shouldn't be embarrassed or anything, but I was mortified. And, oh, that's and horrible. Was, and it was at that point where I'm like, Oh my God! Where have we gotten that that you know this is now okay for dinner time entertainment on Access Hollywood when they're supposed to really be selling me on the next movie that's coming out? I'm like, come on, Asteroid, we're ready. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think um, that this that societal change? Do you think that was inevitable, or do you think that might have something to do with uh, how por- how porn is so everywhere now? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a chicken or an egg situation here, um, but it seems to me that that how technology has evolved over the time and how porn followed where now it's just everywhere. And anytime you want it, it's there 24 seven, whatever kink you want, whatever, whatever thing you want, you don't have to pay nothing. You don't. It's just there. I feel like that might be changing society a little bit. And I don't know, I don't know if you agree. I mean, I've got some ideas on, on how I think it's changed, but that may be one of them. Um, the, the fact that on Access Hollywood, they can have a segment about a vagina. I don't know. You know, I, I wonder if people are so blasé to it now that it's actually hard on relationships and hard on interpersonal um, interpersonal 
relationships between men and women or between young people, um, has that changed from how it was when I was there? And I, I don't have a good gauge. I, I have a hard time saying that. I feel sometimes like it has. I mean, we, people have talked about the hookup culture or people mm-hmm. have talked about um, you know other things like that. And I, I sometimes I feel like, yeah, I, I, I get it. I see something is there. There's something not right. Um, you know, cause I, you know, you talk about nudes or sending nudes or the expectation that guys I seem to have, young men seem to have now that they will get nudes. Um, well, that's completely different. That's completely different now than it was when we were growing up. And, and, and I don't know that it's just a technological change. Maybe, maybe it would have been that if we had the ability to do so, do it so easily, we would have been doing that, but that also you wouldn't have that ability if you also didn't have the ubiquity of porn. And, um, so, so I, I, I think maybe there is a bit of a chicken and egg thing. Um, or maybe these, maybe both, uh, ubiquitous porn and sexting, uh, are things that are inevitable if you have technological change. Um, but I, I, my intuition is that the porn comes first and then that changes expectations it changes um, viewpoints, and and then the, the sexting follows. I, 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 my intuition is that these are girls who are trying to keep up with, uh, f- or trying to compete for boys' attention with the ubiquitous porn out there. That's that's my sense of the of the situation. Well, I, I find that um, that point very well taken, and that's something I've never really considered before. That's not something that's really been in my wheelhouse. And it's really that just the idea that there is now a competition. And I don't know that there was before because it it, it always seemed like I would I was more interested in live women than paper women or video women because paper women or video women were a substitute to real women. Right. But now it would seem, and maybe wrongly, but it would seem to me that if there is real competition – it means that paper or video or screen women are now a threat to actual women. And to take that a step further, if you look at the efforts right now to ban um, the the AI, the, the giant sex dolls that are now coming around, like the Drudge Reports, I swear once a month he's got a story from somewhere in the world about somebody developing the best new sex doll in the world and then Three or four days later, there will be an article on somebody trying to ban sex dolls because, you know, why would any man ever want a real woman when he could have this totally lifelike, exaggerated cartoon of a sex doll? So feminists that were, you know, in some cases supportive of porn then turn around and become not supportive of the next logical step in pornography is creating a doll, creating an AI, creating a robot, if you will, that's capable of doing those same things. Yeah. And so one of the justifications I've seen for the banning is that um, it further objectifies women or, or facilitates the objectification of women. Uh, but I suspect that the that the real underlying cause for the consternation is the competition. Um, and, you know, when I think back to my teenage years, I mean, so what little access I had to porn was certainly pleasurable and I, and I enjoyed that, but it just, it in no way was the quantity was not enough to satisfy, you know, the, my hormones that, that, that I had that every teenage boy has. And, 
And really, it, the 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 fact that it didn't satisfy me caused me and and I'll just admit here that I was a pretty shy, introverted guy uh, growing up. I still, to some extent, I am. But um, you know, I didn't want to go out there and and talk to girls or, or, or put myself out there and, and risk, uh, being rejected, you know, be all vulnerable. But the fact that I had this, uh, hormonal, um, genetic drive to seek out the opposite sex and a, a drive that was not being satisfied, um, through, uh, pornography, which may be being satisfied for modern boys, drove me to go out there and go out of my comfort zone. And I got a girlfriend and, you know, um, I don't know that I would have done that if I, if I wasn't forced to do so because of the, um, technological limitations of, 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 you know, taking care of things myself. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I mean, I wonder if we, if we're, if the people, you know, the Craig Shepherds of today, the 17-year-old or 15-year-old Craig Shepherds of today, are they not taking that step? Are they not taking that risk? Are they just seeing, uh, you know, seeing that it would be easier to stay in my comfort zone? I'll just stay in my room, you know, I'll beat off and, uh, you know, make this hormone monster go away. And then, you know, they never find a girl. Maybe they're just checking out. Well, I, I wonder about that. And I, just anecdotally, because I have an anecdote. Uh, look at me conjugate that. Wow, I'm a rock star. Um, I've got a friend who has a son who's in college, and he's a, uh, a freshman. And he's, you know, he's a studious young man. And so I've asked his dad, I'm like, so, you know, he's out at you know, college, and he's by himself, and he's in the, you know, he's doing his own thing. Uh, are there any girls in his life? And his response was, you know, he's really not that interested in girls. You know, he plays video games, he studies, he's doing well, but he's just not driven by... He's just driven by girls at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, A, you know, it, I mean, if at face value, here's a young man that should be, should be very driven by girls. And I wonder sometimes if pornography is satisfying a certain amount of the hormonal need and that, I'll be honest, it's, there are times when it seems like young women today I don't know that they're worth the effort. It, I would, yeah, that, I was going to say that as well. I mean, I, I feel like the most the, the most dangerous thing you could do as a college man is have sex with a college woman. It seems like today, anyway, yeah. from what we hear. I mean, you, you, you never know what you're going to get accused of. Let's say the relationship goes south. She can say you raped her a year later, and the college will... I mean, it's basically a kangaroo court. It seems like uh, if you try to defend yourself, it's it, it's so there's more than one reason to to uh, check out of the dating scene if you're in college. I mean, do you remember the mattress girl story? They've all of the. Yeah, I do remember yeah. it. It seems like all of the the big stories that made the press were eventually turned out to be uh, hoaxes, including mattress girl. Uh, and, and very much so with Mattress Girl. And in fact, I believe he sued the university and won a lot of money. Uh, but she still went to New York and got an art show and, and you know, had, I, I don't know if she's got a career or not, but uh, she's still a cause celeb. Yeah. And uh, he kind of got screwed. And then, Well, yeah, I mean, this is ongoing. It's, it's uh, eventually we're, oh, so I, uh, eventually I feel like we're going to, we're going to go over the hump on this, but we're but certainly okay. not there yet. Hold on. Ah, all right. Yep. All right. 
that been, was appropriate. I've been dying to use that. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think it would be very hard. I mean, I, I meet. But I'm Ching. But I'm Ching. Um, God, no, no, that's all I'm going to hear. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not around a lot of young women. Uh, my industry just doesn't have a lot of young women, and it's, it's fairly male-oriented. And, uh, but I have lately, for whatever reason, been around a lot of younger women that are entering the workforce as young professionals. And because um, for whatever reason, my, my field skews, skews more towards men and older. And so it's either working class or the professionals that I work with are older and tend to be male. But sure. in the last three or four weeks, I've, I've worked with um, a number of young women that are you know, in the 28, 29, 30 range. And I've kind of listened to them talk. And they're very good at what they do. And they're very driven. And they're very... Um, um, they're very upwardly mobile, if you will. They're very ambitious. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, um, wow, you know, these, they're great at what they do, and I in, at no point want to hear them talk about their personal lives or would have any, even the slightest interest in them. And it's, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, maybe they're great people. I don't know. But when I meet them, they're very aggressive and very ambitious, and, and some of them wear, very much wear their politics on their sleeves, mm. um, including, you know, like having stickers on their laptops and, and this very kind of aggressive, forward-thinking stuff. And I'm just like, you know, I'm good. I'll do my part, and we'll make a great team here, and we'll, we'll finish this job, and then I'm going to go on my merry way. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's um... Not that I'm out cruising for women. I'm not. <laughs> I hear you. I'm uh, not you know, doing but, that. So let me caveat. <laughs> not looking for women. Well, I don't know about you, but but uh, and this is kind of off topic. But as I've gotten older, and I'm in my mid mid forties now, um, even my taste for um, watching porn. So I guess it's not completely off topic. But my taste for my taste for watching porn is is skewing towards more older women. So uh, I'm actually not not as old as me of course but uh you know in their in their in their 30s or whatever so we, even in my fantasy world i'm kind of uh i'm kind of done with uh, the younger girls it seems. so so it's that's why milf is the isn't milf like the number one searched born uh keyword? you would think it's it's certainly one of the top ones for me but but i heard somewhere that one of the top or, or the top search uh, term in the us is like stepmom which horrifies me I, I think stepmom and MILF are probably somewhat synonymous. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But um, when, whenever I uh, feel like I'm going to be enjoying a certain um, portrayal, uh, the, the minute they start bringing the incest stuff into it, I'm out. I'm like, I, I can't even enjoy the visuals anymore because you've ruined it for me psychologically. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, I just, I don't under... It, it's a very different animal. And if you don't mind, let's transition to the economics for a second, because I'm very driven by the economics of, um, of anything. But in the economics of porn are something that are very interesting, or at least to me, because, you know, in the 80s, it was kind of underground. It was still allowed. I remember the video store that we would go to before Blockbuster came around. There were independent video stores. Uh, what was it called? The, was the Grotto. The paperback grotto in, uh, yeah. Yep. That was out in DeKalb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, this was not that. I, I, I'm just talking about the, the old video store 
that before Blockbuster, because before there was a nationwide mm. chain, these little businesses would go out and start up a video store. And they would have, you know, Die Hard and, you know, Star Wars on the shelf and whatever. Whatever had been introduced. Right. And, In but, the back then room. They, but then they would have a back room with a curtain. And right. back there, which you'd try to walk by and see if you could glimpse in, because I was never brave enough to walk back in there. And I was too young, too. I would have gotten kicked out right away. But um, I remember there was, you know, there was the back room, and you couldn't go in there, and, and it was kind of hard to get to. And then, of course, blockbusters came around and kind of killed the independent video store. I remember my town had one, and I actually knew a girl that worked there, and I knew her in high school. And I asked her, so do you guys still have you know the back room? And she goes, it's what keeps us in business. She's of course, because like, Blockbuster like, wouldn't do it. Yeah, she goes, Blockbuster would have put us out of business and still will eventually put us out of business. Her parents own the store. And um, she said they will eventually put us out of business. But as long as we have that back room, she's like, we're making bank off of that. Wow. Um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. But it, the ironic thing is Blockbuster didn't put her out of business. The internet did. Because no one needs to rent videos anymore. Well, and I remember my very first job, which was my first access to like high speed internet, which obviously they wouldn't let me, you know, cruise for porn at work. They were funny about that. I don't know why. Um, I remember because it was still very new and the, the finance director who ran, I think he was, I think he was called the comptroller. Um, but he kind of ran the IT systems. And I remember him telling me the top four, I remember the top three. He said the top three sites on the internet are playboy.com, penthouse.com, and CNN. Hmm. And, of course, this was an era when, there, frankly, there just weren't a lot. I mean, this was even pre-dot-com um, bubble, you know, or probably yeah. right, right before the dot-com bubble. Early right internet. Early internet. Most people are probably getting online through America Online or something. It, it would have been right after that. Yeah. Or, or frankly, you're probably right. I'll bet I'm, I had gotten off America Online, but I'll bet millions of people still were on it at that point. Sure. Um, and just the idea, I mean, Playboy.com, who gives a shit about Playboy anymore? You know, mm -hmm. I, they still publish, but I mean, who cares about magazines? And Penthouse.com, I, I, don't, I don't know if they still publish or not. Because um, it's just, it's been wiped out. But there was an actual industry to pornography and there was there was production houses and there were you know lighting technicians and makeup people and clothes people and set people and there were VHS manufacturers that made the tapes and then slowly as the internet has eaten away and eaten away at the economic model yes some of that still exists today but it doesn't exist to make movies and I, I think you had even said that the big tube sites out there seem to really just be a vehicle to get people to watch cam girls. That's what it seems to me. I mean, I, for, I, I really don't know how the, how they're able to provide free porn. So, so Pornhub right is huge. They, they must stream millions and millions and millions of videos every day. And that's not cheap. Um, you've got to, you got to store them. You've got to, you get the bandwidth to send them out. Um, and yet it's free. Uh, I, you know, I use Adblock on Chrome, so I don't even have to watch their ads. Uh, my, 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 the only solution that I can think of is that the, the premium services such as the cam girls are what is subsidizing the, the rest of us to watch free porn. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. And I mean, and it, it goes back to, um, 
976 numbers. Remember those? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I, maybe high school. That was like a big thing. I never called one. I was never like brave enough or had a credit card or whatever. Me either. Um, I would tell you if I had, but I have not. <laughs> I, know, I know you would tell me, but I, so I actually have no idea. Maybe it's on YouTube. Maybe there's somebody recorded one of those on YouTube. I could go listen to it. Um, but it's, I think it's just the form follows function, natural progression is, and I think you've even made this point that we went from something that was interpersonal, which is a man and a woman in person with each other to something where it's man in paper or man in video. And now we've reached a point where it can almost be interpersonal again. Yes, I agree. I mean, that is, I suspect that's why it's worth money to, to some guys or to a certain, certain, uh, uh, population of guys. Um, you know, maybe they're, I'm guessing here, right? I don't know. I've never, um, well, you know, paid for a cam girl or whatnot. But, but my I want guess, to get a cam girl now. I want to get a cam girl and ask her about economics. Let's do it. And let's it do it. We'll do it next show. You know, we'll we, interview. We'll interview a cam girl. You're jo- are you joking? Or you're real? Because if you're real, I might try to set that up. I don't know. Well, let's. <laughs> I don't uh, know. We'll, we'll leave that as a teaser for the this audience. This is going too far. <laughs> okay. But I suspect I suspect that the cam girl thing is is the modern day. And, and and somewhat less seedy, if if uh, if that works in this context, uh, equivalent of going of a guy going to a strip club, because um, I, I I've been to stri- usually my experiences with strip clubs is getting going there with a bunch of friends and it's like a you know it's a social thing it's kind of like we're it's kind of campy we're kind of making fun of it at the same time we're enjoying it, but every time I've gone I've seen a number of individual guys who are just there by themselves who. It, it seems to me are sort of sort of reaching out for this female connection that they can't otherwise get. And that's what I suspect um, is what fuels the cam girl industry. And God bless them because they're subsidizing all our porn. Yes. Well, thank you, ladies um, and men. I will admit I'm not a big fan of strip clubs. And I think every time I've been to a strip club, I've been with you. Um, but it's what was it Charlie Chaplin who said, uh, I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. Or, or something right. to that effect. I'm screwing that quote up, but it's, it's no, 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 that, that is the quote. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how it fits into strip clubs. Are you trying to become, are you want to be a dancer? Well, yes, but that's, that's another okay. story. That's another podcast. Um, no, I, I go in there and I see the creepy dudes uh, and then okay. I'm sitting there right. going, shit, am I a creepy dude? Yeah. They're I, looking at me the same way. Yeah. Um, I'm like, they're a creepy dude. I don't think I am. I'm trying to be nice. I'm actually talking to the girls like they're humans. But the girls aren't really interested in being humans because they just want my money. Yeah, they so, want the money. So they, they, they don't care how nice you are to them. Yeah. You don't have to be nice. Just give me your dollars. Yeah. So I, I and, and I, I don't mean that negatively because that's the economic model. That's the their incentive. Is that's what they're to, there for. It's, it, that's you're the buying human connection. Yes. It's it's like, I get, you know, maybe if the guys were a little more brave or a little more savvy, they'd be uh, hiring escorts. You've got to think so. I mean, or a little more uh, rich. Well, and you know, and it's funny that you mentioned that because um, the same young man that I mentioned earlier, that's the, the friend of mine's kid, um, he said he knows a girl uh, at a, a, a major university that you would know the name of um, who is making paying for her college being an escort, and he knows another one that's paying for her college being a cam girl. That's You should ask the son for the contact information just so that we can um, see if she'll come on the show for no other reason. Not because I would not because I'm interested in knowing how to get in touch with a college age escort. (laughs) 
I can't tell when you're kidding. <laughs> this, is, this is bad. <laughs> oh, that's uh, awesome. You know, it's it's an interesting time to be alive. In that many is. of the things that were once considered vice are now considered virtue. So, for example, pornography that was illegal at one point, then legal but discouraged and often discriminated against, uh, which I'm very much against. I'm, I'm as a libertarian, I think you're relatively libertarian about it. It should be legal. It should I'm be I'm crazy libertarian, yeah. Yes, that people can choose to do and be ethical about it and rock on, be your bad self. Um, but like, for example, uh, marijuana, you know, there's serious legislation in Illinois to legalize marijuana. Marijuana is now legal in Colorado, Nevada, um, California. I'm sure mm. other states too, but these are, you know, those are the ones that I'm, that are, I'm thinking of right now. And probably in the next four years, it'll be, you know, 30 plus states. Um, federal legislation was just introduced today. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but um, federal legislation to deschedule marijuana was just introduced today. Um, I mean, so that used to be, oh my God, reefer madness. Oh, the kids are going to be addicted to the reefer. And, and you know, that's gone. What was once vice is now virtue, or if maybe if not virtue, at least acceptable. Sure. Um, and, and, you know... And of course, there's other things too. Of course, you know, when we were young, it was not illegal, but it was terrible to be gay, and gays were treated horribly. And you know, there were it, it was very. I mean, the what's the Mark Knopfler song where he used the the f word, if you will? Faggot. Yes. Um, I, I feel like we should be able to say that. I, I think we should too. Um, yeah. But what song was that? That was a big hit. And um, I, I did hear. Oh, it's the uh, it's the money for money nothing. for nothing. Money for nothing. It's um, not. It's not that guy. It's Dire Straits. That's true, but Mark Knopfler was the singer. But you're right, it was Dire Straits. Um, and today, they censor that out. He doesn't say that word, because I saw a, um, a concert. Bullshit, really? No, seriously. I was, like, walking through a Best Buy, and, you know, they have, like, the Magnolia or whatever, and they'll always have, like, little concerts playing in, like, 4K, so you walk over and buy, you know, a $2,000 TV. And uh, they had, like, this all-star thing going on, and Mark Knopfler was up there singing with this all-star band and playing Money for Nothing, and he drops that word out. That is well. We, we've gotten far afield from our topic today, but that that is that sh that upsets me, because it's, it's not a, a. It's just a word, and B. The whole point of that song is he's he's play he's singing right. as if he's a character, as if he's sort of like a blue collar, kind of. He's not singing it as himself. Well, and kind of and, as a jerk. That character would say that word. Yeah, and kind of as a jerk, kind of as somebody you don't yes. necessarily want to emulate. Exactly. Um, but it's one of those things where today that's wildly accepted. Um, and, and so things are definitely changing and changing wildly, but there are, there are effects that it has on either the culture or on individuals. And in this case, we're talking about, you know, pornography and we're talking about how it affects individuals' relationships. And while I, again, I'm, I'm very libertarian, I'm supportive of the production of pornography. I do wonder if there's a detrimental impact and what that detrimental impact yeah. will be. Well, there's a growing movement of of young men who have sort of realized that this may be not the best thing for them. It's called the no fat movement, and um, you know, it's it's a there's a Reddit community of 500,000 subscribers, uh, or in the neighborhood of that. So it's not not exactly a 
a, rel- a completely obscure movement. And, um, you know, I browsed that in, in, in preparing for the show and some of the claims. So the idea is, uh, I, I don't know if it's a completely no masturbation movement. The, the name implies that no fab, but, but it's definitely a no porn movement. And, um, just browsing that the, the first few pages of that, uh, some of the claims that they make uh, of the benefits of uh, abstaining from pornography are sound very similar to people who have gotten off drugs. So it's things like I've never, I've never, my brain has never been clear. I've never thought clear. I've got more energy. Um, I went out, uh, you know, and, and, and exercise for the first time in my life. Uh, there, there are guys who are saying, Hey, I, I went out and talked to a girl, which, uh, you know, I never would have done before. Um, so I think there might be something to the idea that this, that, that too much porn is detrimental, um, at least as recognized by those who have chosen to abstain from it for that reason. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting that you say that because I also doing uh, research ended up running across some research from psychology today where, you know, you'd think that would be a, a fairly liberal kind of organization. Um, and I, I think a lot of professional organizations and medical professional organizations today are kind of shamed into, you know, don't make moral arguments. And in, in this case, it wasn't so much a moral argument, but psychology today was like saying that, listen, there is research that suggests very much that the consumption of pornography hits the brain in a similar way as illicit narcotics do and, mm. and can provide similar stimuli in the brain that behave like drugs and can create addictive, if you have an addictive personality, um, can create addictive behaviors in people. And I've got to think, you know, when you hear about people that say, well, I started here and it was the gateway drug to harder drugs and eventually my life went off track. Mm-hmm. And if that is accurate, you can see how pe- there is something, there is actual porn addiction uh, and, you know, vicariously, I guess, sex addiction. And these Absolutely. things really are hurting people. And here we have a generation of young people that have really been exposed at a very young age to not just pornography, but I would say it's a little bit more extreme now than the the blonde running around in the desert with the glowing lights and her hair blowing back with the wind machine. Yeah. And uh, what is that going to do? Maybe not today, you know, but what about in 2025? What about in 2030? What's it going to do to the women that are now like, what the hell? Why don't these guys want us? You know? How, what I think kind these, of competition I, yeah. happens with that? I think those are, I think those are great questions. And um, will we or will our young men be able to self-regulate as in like the no fat movement or will or will they succumb to the uh, to the addiction um, uh, to the to the ease of access? And, and will they choose to check out? I, I mean, I hope I hope it's the former, not the latter. I just. I'm glad that I didn't face that choice because it would be, it would have been a tough one for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Although, all right, let me change gears ever so slightly. When did the word "fap" become a thing? I don't know. I, I it sounds English to me. I, I just I I hear that in the no fap movement. I I'd heard that phrase before, and I'm just like, I, it just sort of came on. I felt like you know maybe I just missed a huge part of the internet for the better part of a decade, and then all of a sudden there's like this new thing going on. No, yeah, I mean, I, I think I first saw it on Reddit, and it's it's pretty, um, 
pretty uh, well known there, uh, all the way down to the fappening, right? When when the the, all the celebs nudes got got leaked. God, that it was, was a great a great uh, word for that for that event. Well, no, that was great. I, admittedly, that was perfect. That couldn't have been better. And in fact, maybe that was the first time I heard it. Actually, that might have been it. And I even yeah, had to go look. I remember I looked it up at one point and was like, "Where did this come from? How did I not? How did I get so far off the cultural, you know, cutting edge that this word became part of the popular lexicon?" And I had no concept of it. Yeah, it, it was out there. I don't, I don't think you used Reddit as much as I do, or at least you hadn't at that time. No, and but I, I still. Had, don't. I had definitely heard "fat" before that. Yeah, and I still don't. It's a good word. It's like it's like it's kind of like the sound it makes. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, on that note, um, I, do we have anything else to kind of? I mean, th- so this 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 is a big topic. Um, so there's probably there's probably uh, nooks and crannies that we could explore, uh, maybe on a different episode. But I, I think we've, you know, we've adequately covered this for for one episode. I would certainly say so. So, um, all right, everybody, thank you very much. I think we have cured all the world's ills this evening. So, you're welcome. Uh, we just wanted to let you know you can follow us on Twitter at, at @runningplacepod, and you can follow us on Facebook as well. You can just keyword search for a Running in Place podcast. And we hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you next week. And uh, have a lovely week. Craig, would you like yeah. to end with anything? Yeah, and uh, for every new subscriber, Jack will send a nude. <laughs> Not necessarily of me, but a nude of something. Thank God Guaranteed. For <laughs> Thank God for Google Image Search. All right, everybody. Have a good day.